What would happen if we give everyone an invitation to the table, believing everybody has something to bring and every generation some wisdom to share? What would happen if the passionate people of God became known for building bridges, making connections where there were once divides? What would happen if the love of God sparks a movement, transforming our own lives, our relationships, our communities? Let's find out together. Welcome to Bridged, a podcast about connection. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bridge Podcast. I'm Stacey Martin, your host. Well, this has been a sad week in our country. This has been a week marked with injustice and protest, with death and grieving, with racism and bias. It's been a week where if you are a follower of Jesus, you're asking, what do I do? God, this surely is not the way you planned it. What do I do? I've really felt that burden uh, for myself this week, for my friends of color, for my kids, for my kids' friends, for my mom friends who have African-American sons. I am grieving and I'm sad and I just want to know what I can do to help. So with this little T-tiny platform I have, um, I want to equip you guys as bridge builders, as people who are learning more about Jesus, for people who are learning more what it means to follow him, for people who have... Um, who are taking baby steps each and every day to be bridge builders. I want to equip you with things that you can do, conversations you can listen to, to start softening your heart, um, to maybe try to figure out where your own biases hide. You know, I'd like to think that I'm somebody who doesn't have any racial biases or um, any any divisions in my heart, but I'm a sinful person. Um, That's the problem. That's why I need Jesus. I'm a sinful person. And so I've been really been spending some time trying to evaluate, um, Lord, search my heart. Find out what is inside that I don't even know what's inside, Lord. Address it, heal it, fix it, because I want to be an agent, an instrument of your peace. So today's conversation is a conversation between Todd Lesher, who is on our family ministry team, Jason Smith, our lead pastor of direction, and Mekdez Hadiz, who is helping launch our Eastland campus. This conversation was was recorded a couple years ago, um, but it's valuable because what Jason and Todd and Mekdes are talking about is reclaiming Martin Luther King's vision for our lives. How can we do it? How do we have these conversations with our families? How do we have these conversations with our kids? I think it's a valuable conversation and I hope you enjoy it. And next week, I hope to have a real thoughtful conversation with some other Forest Hill leaders about how we can evaluate this question. And you guys probably heard it in Jonathan's message last week. Where am I building bridges and where am I putting up barriers? Honestly, I wanted to have that conversation this week, but I needed to do some introspection myself before I could put it out here on air. Where am I building bridges and where am I building barriers? So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope you'll join me in praying for our country and praying for our church, for the Capital C Church, for Forest Hill Church, for our neighbors and friends, um, that Jesus, that kingdom would come. Shalom. Shalom to our city. Thanks, friends. Today we're discussing the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. and how families can keep his dream alive today. So April 4th marked the 50-year anniversary of the assassination of Dr. King. And Forest Hill Church is joining with a number of other churches and ministry partners for a citywide event called Reviving the Dream to carry on the legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. So I would first like to start just about what inspires you all about the life and legacy of Martin Luther King. I think for me, um, 
his ability to paint a picture of the outcome that he believed in, uh, the future that was not only possible, but that um, the gospel and Christ actually was calling for, and then to inspire hope into people that that could become reality. Uh, that's part of it, his ability to persevere despite not even uh, only the outside or external opposition, uh, but some of the internal opposition that he faced even within his own movement. Um, and uh, finally, I'd say just the values that he was able to maintain, that he didn't waver on or compromise even when it seemed like he needed to in order to accomplish the purpose. So in other words, he didn't sacrifice the means for the ends yeah. for me. That's, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I was thinking about this, and I recently watched the movie Selma, and so I think one thing that really stood out to me was his courage um, and how his faith really played into building that right. courage that he had. And so I was thinking about his conversation with the president as he was talking about, um, you know, marching. And um, I remember thinking this guy must have really, he had to consider the fact that he could lose his life for yeah. the things that he believed in. And um, he was willing to give up his life for it. And I don't know if that type of courage comes without faith. Yeah. For me personally, when I think about that, I think about just the, um, as a person of color, what that actually means um, is having to really believe um, that the things that were thrown at him, you know, think about the, the way society shapes you. And so yeah. the things that he heard, the things that he saw growing up, he knew those things didn't define him. Right. And so that really shows me that he was somebody that knew what it meant to be made in the image of God. So yeah. I just admire that. Yeah, yeah. The thing for me as a parent, we always try to get a book from the library or watch a video from the I Have a Dream speech that he gave, and it allows my children to see a person on screen. You know, Jesus is someone that we read in the scriptures that we mm -hmm. can pull off the page, mm -hmm. but Martin Luther King was a dad. He had children, and so I feel that in my gut. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully my children can see a tangible example of someone who said, hey, relationships matter, not just with the, uh, your same color, mm -hmm. but every person in your sphere and in the world. And so it's the relational inspiration that Martin Luther King, that he, he gave his life mm -hmm. for by putting the practices of Jesus into place, uh, really inspire me as well. So let's talk briefly about his dream. And just to remind our, our listeners of what it was and why you think it is just as relevant today as it was when he gave it in 1963. So his dream was equality for all people. So it goes back to what I was saying earlier about um, being made in the image of God, right. and therefore um, the image of God is displayed in humankind in different ways, based on our, the skin of our color, based on our culture, based on our backgrounds and experiences. Yeah. So his dream was really to be able to free up people so they can live the way that God had designed them to. Um, and that meant, um, in, in, you know, in a society, the way that's uh, displayed is by the freedom people have to pursue their dreams, to go to school together, you know, right. whatever those small and big things are, everybody deserved the same kind of privileges. Yeah. And so that was kind of the dream that I see that he had. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it goes beyond um, just the race issue, the ethnicity mm -hmm. issue, and the equality. Um, 
what he saw and what he fought for was an expression, like a tangible expression of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made it so powerful, so catalytic, and, so, and why it still endures to this day is because he wasn't just after a fix for a moment of time in American history. Mm-hmm. That was what kind of catapulted him onto the stage. But what he was after was seeing um, the kingdom that Jesus described that we would be a part of being put into, um, you know, flesh and blood, like actual um, reality here now. And so I think when you look around at our world at this moment where through globalization, we're closer than ever before, and yet we are more distant than ever before when it comes to um, the separations that we have between ourselves, the polarization in our own country right Mm. now, it it couldn't be more relevant than it is at this moment in American history, I think. Yeah. And as I, I think it through, through the lens of parenting, I go... Every parent knows how to fight for their child, Absolutely. right? The mama bear personality, for one, they will go to the mat for their child. Martin Luther King went to the mat for our nation, yeah. for our globe. You know, this diversity, multi-ethnic, multi-generational mm-hmm. equality mm-hmm. here. So parents know how to do that. They have something innate. But he channeled it for a group of people, not just for his family. He said it. I want to see my children grow up in a society where they're not judged by the color of their skin, but by the concept of their character. I mean, that's so strong. And if every parent can grasp onto that for their children, but also for their children's friends and for their neighborhoods, for their schools. I mean, it's, it's, it has huge ramifications. So as we talk about some of the values and attitudes, outlooks, or whatever you want to call it, that we need to embrace, what are those that we need to have to ensure that this vision carries on? I think um, the perseverance that I mentioned earlier, this is a a fight, a struggle that will last probably until Jesus returns. Like yep. as long as there are people and as long as there are um, differences, as slight as they may be, we're going to have to keep fighting for this. Um, so perseverance is one. I think the kingdom love, the value of, of love, especially for the other, hmm. however you want to define yep. that. Yep. I love the statement somebody made that every time you draw a line between you and somebody else, Jesus is on the other side of that line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what we're yeah. talking about here. So how do you love practically whoever is the other in your mm-hmm. world? Um, and then again, I'll go back to, I just think right methods, understanding that there are lots of ways that we can attack a problem. There were zealots in, in the time of Jesus who took up arms against the Roman Empire and were subversive. Um, and there are ways to do it that are right and still in line with kingdom principles. And especially when we're talking about kids, yeah. when I look at you know just this... Uh, recently, this group, the March for Our Lives, group yep. of high school students, and we we see the next generation um, willing to stand up and use what they have right. to accomplish something they think mm-hmm. is important. You know, we've got to be able to model that and value it for our kids. So, yeah, don't forsake the methods to get to the end uh, for the end itself. Yeah, and uh, for me, I was thinking about this, and again, I go back to you know, first, if we don't know. God's design for us and the way that we can worship him, we can know him, we can experience him, then it's easy to be in our bubbles. Mm -hmm. And so what really pushes me to, um, you know, embrace diversity is the fact that I lived in a different country, therefore it was kind of forced on me. But what I 
I really um, got out of that was because I had to experience God in a different cultural context, I realized how big he was. And so my faith got so bold that I'd never want to go back. So for me, diversity adds beauty to my life. God's beauty, a way of, you know, worshiping him. It allows me to see I can't be at the center of my world anymore. You know, God is bigger. This world is bigger. He has bigger plans for my life. So I think being intentional and how we're going to embrace, you know, this type of change in our lives, it's really easy for us to kind of build our own little um, walls and kind of keep ourselves in the fences that we feel safe in, but really to be intentional in creating small steps, you know, for our family, for our children. What are the friendships that we have look like? What are the people that we hang out with, you know, um, and kind of just taking those small steps, I think really allows the dream to live on. Yeah. We're responsible for us, right? Mm -hmm. We can't just expect the other to do it Mm -hmm. towards us. We have Mm -hmm. to take ownership for ourselves. And I think what the apostle Paul said is to consider others better than yourselves. Mm -hmm. It's got to be one of the principal statements of this movement of this moment of this movement of keeping this dream alive. Mm -hmm. And so I know I've given a couple examples for how parents can apply the dream, Martin Luther King's dream, uh, nowadays, but what about in your own worlds, you know, to put your lives, your homes, yourselves under the microscope, what, what, what do you think families need to put the dream into practice in their homes and families? Well, I think, uh, I'll use one phrase and two applications and it's, uh, the phrase expand your table. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked on this podcast before about some of the conversations that happen. We try to intentionally have dinner together around the table Mm -hmm. as often as possible. Um, And it's most nights of the week. And that has become the place where we talk about real issues like this. What does it look like to live out faith? Um, And we actually had one of those uh, just last night. Um, God was gracious to give me an example for today, but we were were talking with one of my kids about a a person at their school that they did not want to be around, didn't connect with, didn't click with whatever. Um, And, we got to the point of saying, this is what all this stuff we've been talking to you about on Sundays, this is what it looks like. It's not learning the story. It's not knowing Mm -hmm. more about who Jesus is. It's not singing the songs. It's now that you're faced with the opportunity to either move towards someone who's different or move away from them because they're making you uncomfortable or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, that you move towards. And it was a really emotional conversation even. Mm -hmm. Um, And just a couple hours later, you know, she came down and said, I feel kind of bad for the way I was acting before and Mm. and what do I do different now? Mm. But beyond the conversation around expanding the table, Mm. it's also who do you have at your table? Mm. You know, how do we as families model for our kids? This is who comes over to dinner to our house. They're not people with the same socioeconomics, the same ethnicity, the same political beliefs, whatever. It's different and we're going to intentionally cultivate that kind of a table so my kids know Mm. what it looks like. Yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's um, so good. For me, it's it's a little bit different mm-hmm. um, on the other end of being, again, a person of color. Um, you know, diversity is not something we get to choose. It's just our lives. Wherever we are, we find ourselves in spaces that we're the minority. So I think in a way that's like built into our lives. Um, but the things that I think about intentionally are Uh, the people that, again, come to our home, you know, who are the people that we get to fellowship with, get to um, allow them to experience our our culture, but also who are the people that um, are 
um, in the disabled community. Really, for me, diversity goes further than just our skin color, but there are different underrepresented cultures within the diverse, um, I mean, the disabled uh, um, community. Yeah. And so what are, how are we serving those people? Are they even in our ta- at our table as well? Yeah. So for me, it goes even, you know, a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I think in those conversations too, um, one thing I meant to say earlier, but it goes along with your point here is that we need to also be able to be vulnerable enough with our kids to appropriately model and, and be honest about the same struggle that they're Mm -hmm. facing that Mm -hmm. we have still as adults. It's really easy to kind of give them the, the moral lesson in the Mm -hmm. moment and pretend like it's not still affecting me with a difficult person that I might work with mm-hmm. or that, uh, or somebody who just, I don't even know how to serve or embrace mm-hmm. them because of their challenges, their differences. Mm-hmm. So we have to say, this is a lifelong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't overcome this all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. and I'll go off that a little bit as well, where, you know, I think the best place to start is prayer, but it's not the best place to finish, mm-hmm. right? You start That's with true. praying God, Help me, help my kids to, to love those who aren't like them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In that way, so that they can treat them mm-hmm. you know, in a way that, that God would, right? In a generous and gracious way. But don't let the prayer be where it ends. Put those prayers mm-hmm. to action, That's especially good. in the family. You know, like you're talking about the very, you know, tangible examples of expanding your table or mm-hmm. reaching out into the community mm-hmm. in some of those ways. And so are there opportunities at your child's school that they can be a part of with a group who is not like them mm-hmm. or unlike them mm-hmm. in some ways. Not to, so they'll become like them, but so that they can love them. That's the mm-hmm. the goal to the point that you made mm-hmm. when you draw a line to separate you and someone else. Jesus is always on mm-hmm. the side of the line. I mean, that's that's so strong and mm-hmm. gut-wrenching just to think about. But some of those, I think, let's, let's not forget to pray, but let's not leave it there and go, we prayed about it mm-hmm. and nothing happens. Well, yeah. let's put our prayers so, to action, I think. Sometimes Jesus looks at us and goes, you're the answer to mm-hmm. your prayer. Mm-hmm. So what are you waiting for? Mm-hmm. That's right. In that way. So I know there's a lot of things that we could get into, but one thing that um, Mekdes, you're a part of specifically is an organization called Be the Bridge. Mm-hmm. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about that organization mm-hmm. and the work you're a part of? Yeah. So Be the Bridge stand, uh, is uh, you know an organization that is equipping churches, basically churches and church leaders Um, on how to do racial reconciliation the right way. And so it was founded by Latasha Morrison, uh, who uh, was seeing this gap in the church as a ministry um, staff at our church, that there weren't people of color coming into the church. And so why, you know, why wasn't there this diversity that we always talk about and we pray for, you know, but nothing is happening. And so that kind of drew her to have some conversations with women around the table and they started meeting on a weekly basis and Be The Bridge was um, built. And so the idea is really what she started discovering was when she started having conversations with people that don't look like her, she started realizing they just don't know what they don't know. Um, And so um, Be The Bridge was created as a safe space for people to get to know one another, to build friendships, but also for for them to experience um, forgiveness and to lament over the sin Mm. of uh, just kind of the 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 
communal sin that, Mm -hmm. you know, America had experienced. And so how do we lament that as an individual, move forward, forgive one one another for, even though it was in the past, it's still impacting the way we see each other and understand each other. So um, they came up with a curriculum that we're actually using here at Fort at our Fort Mill campus as well. Um, and just kind of walking through re- restoration and racial reconciliation and what the, that looks like. So the big emphasis is um, listening to one another, empathizing with one another, and then just building those friendships that we need to start building. Yeah, it sounds like sometimes you've got to dig down to the foundation of all the clutter that's yep. gotten there so that you actually can reset your foundation Mm -hmm. to pursue that unity and reconciliation Mm -hmm. so that you can be a bridge builder in that direction. And Jason, why don't you kind of connect it to the gospel? Because that's got to be the roots there that we grow in, that we act upon, that we build these bridges towards. And so why don't you connect the gospel to Martin Luther King's dream, and then we'll finish up by talking about reviving the dream event coming up. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, you know, the gospel itself... um, says that Jesus has done the work of reconciling people back to God, mm-hmm. and then through him, we are reconciled to each other. In his uh, prayer in John 17, that gets quoted all the time about unity, where he says, you know, let them be one, Father, they'll let them be one as you and I are mm-hmm. one, them and me, me and you, us and them. It's this whole thing that, hey, this is the reality, the future reality, but also the current spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. We are united. Then Paul goes on and he tells uh, an early church struggling with these exact same issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, barriers, lines between yeah. each other yeah. according to ethnicity. And he says that all of the, um, the way I like to think about it is all the walls that had been erected to keep people separate, mm-hmm. to, to try and fight against Jesus' prayer for unity, mm-hmm. had now been demolished. Mm-hmm. And the way that I view it in my mind is like, there's this pile of rubble that's about six inches high. That's the wall that used to stand between us and keep us from even seeing each other. Mm-hmm. It's now on the ground, but we have to, to your point, we have <laughs> yeah. to step over the rubble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think what the gospel does is it says, now this is up to you to take this message, show what it looks like in real life, um, move towards people so that as you do it, they get to see the full breadth of God's love for them when mm-hmm. they were still rebels. When you were still a rebel, mm-hmm. he was bringing you back, calling you towards himself and making peace. Mm-hmm. And so this effort of peace that Martin Luther King King in, uh, Jr. engaged in, that we as the church should be engaged in, that you're doing, Mac Des, mm-hmm. with your groups, yeah. um, is just such a powerful, not just an expression of the mm-hmm. gospel, it is an extension mm-hmm. of the gospel. That's true. Yeah, that's really good. Just that image of six inches of rubble. So mm-hmm. yeah. it, you know, to all the parents listening, you know, what six inches are getting in the way mm-hmm. of God's vision for humanity, of Martin Luther, King's, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream yeah. mm-hmm. for the nation and for the world are getting in the way. And how can you get that rubble out of here so that you and your family can start pursuing Mm -hmm. this reconciliation that Jesus died for. And even Martin Luther King gave up his life to see for Mm -hmm. his kids and for the nation as well. Well, let's talk about reviving the dream and when it's taking place, what it will focus on all those sort of details. So why don't you all jump into that? Yeah. So, uh, first it's April 14th. That's a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be held at little rock AME Zion church, which is on McDowell street in uptown Charlotte. Uh, churches from all over the area are going to be together playing different parts, uh, in that they're going to be, um, national speakers and they're going to be local speakers. Um, some scholarships are given out for a couple of things. We've been doing this contest for a spoken word piece and also an essay on, uh, his dream and what it could look like now. 
And then uh, we're going to follow that up with a big party um, and then launch some groups that are designed with trained facilitators to keep this moving forward. And the goal is um, where there is trust that is broken, how could we, over a four-week span with a trained leader um, and a, a group that is different backgrounds, different ethnicities, whatever, how could we move the degree of trust one degree? Yeah, that, That's yeah. the whole goal. Can we move this just one degree forward? And so the event itself is saying, and it's put on by the American Bible Society. They're kind of the, the overriders. So we're saying, what was the role of Scripture mm-hmm. in Martin Luther King Jr.'s mm-hmm. work for peace? Not just social justice, but how did Scripture mm-hmm. play into it 50 years ago, now, today, in our current environment? And then what do we have to do to make sure that it still has an impact 50 years from now yeah. for our children? Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And so... As we kind of think about participating in that, is it something that all families are invited to? Any age? What would you say? Who's the audience here? I think there's a certain age, uh, a lower limit of kids that you know may have difficulty. It's going to be about a three-hour event. That, that may be tough. But here's what I would say. If your kids are able... Um, to be with you for a part of that even. And especially if you've got upper elementary age kids, middle school, high school, they should be in the room with you for two reasons. One, they should watch that you as a parent are engaging in this really important effort. Mm -hmm. But two, um, just like we saw with some of the high school kids in the last couple of weeks in our country, they are going to lead the way. And so we can either help guide them to leading it with scripture as the basis or on their own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. with culture informing them on why they work for certain things. And I think this is a great place for us to engage, especially our older kids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love a, some good alliteration. You know, families for fulfilling the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, nice. that, that kind of nice. mantra here <laughs> is that go. let's not let the, the dream go to waste. You yeah. know, it's survived for 50 years. So let's let it survive for mm-hmm. 50 more. So we're at the 100-year mark, and our kids are carrying this torch, yeah. and our grandkids are carrying mm-hmm. this torch. We need to give them something to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Here. Right. And this is, they will join something. Mm-hmm. And so this is a worthy cause. So as I think about this, you know, over the past couple months, um, we've seen uh, Billy Graham pass. Mm-hmm. And I've just been thinking, who are the icons, who are the heroes that I want my kids to look up to or be exposed to. I can't decide that for them, Mm -hmm. but it's four people. Mm -hmm. It's Jesus Christ. It's Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. It's Billy Graham. And it's Martin Luther King Jr. And so these four individuals just to go, Mm -hmm. these who are the people I want them to look up. And if they had a Mother Teresa jersey, I'd want them to wear the Mother Mm -hmm. Teresa jersey. But, you know, (laughs) she had a different habit that she wore. And so (laughs) probably won't wear that. But just as we set that tone and example, these Mm -hmm. are the lives that they lived for something greater than themselves, and they gave themselves to that. That's awesome. Families can be a part of that as well. So any final encouragement or advice for our families? Um, I would just say this is um, such a great way of modeling reconciliation, and it's so significant because that's exactly what Jesus came to do. And so what better way to um, lead our kids um, than live out what reconciliation really looks like and show them humility and even just going out of our way to make sure that others are participators of the privileges that we 
have and don't even think about. And so to think about, um, you know, kids ask the most innocent questions. Mm -hmm. And I think those are the things that should lead us sometimes. And so kids ask, why is so-and-so poor? Why is so-and-so being treated this way? So just even being mindful of those very small questions and being intentional to give them an intelligent answer, you know, something that we've really wrestled with and allow them to be agents of change, you know, and as the new generation is coming, it's such a a passionate and, you know, a leading type of generation that's coming. And like you said, they're going to follow a cause. Um, Can we equip our kids to be um, cause leaders for justice as, you know, God's character is one of the main beautiful characters about God that I love is that he is just. And so justice is something that moves him and it's the ultimate um, sacrifice, you know, and show of love is to show to make sure that justice happens on earth. And so I think we can really equip our kids and disciple them in a way that is super relevant if we engage in the things that Mm -hmm. they're asking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I would say, um, yeah, just along those same lines, man, jump in, do this together with Mm -hmm. them. Uh, It's an opportunity to to not have to always be leading out in front on your own, but Mm -hmm. you get to just go with your kids, participate together. Um, and you can find out more information about it at mlk.bible. Um, mm-hmm. So we'd love to see you there. Fantastic. Well, Mechdez and Jason, thank you so much for being on this and being a part of Reviving the Dream as well, uh, both personally and then for our city. So let me say a prayer and we'll yeah. wrap, it, wrap it up. Heavenly Father, uh, I confess you know, that I, I don't pursue uh, the reconciliation uh, between one another that you have offered to me as I should. And so I pray that you would help me, help us, help our church, help our families to remove these six inches of rubble that get in the way of reconciliation, of extending love to those who are unlike us so that they can encounter the living God who gave the life of his son for all of us. Mm. I pray blessing on the Reviving the Dream event, and I pray again that it would be a catalyst to great things in the city of Charlotte, in our nation, as we work to keep the dream alive, but also in the lives of our family. As sons and daughters are motivated by this vision that started at the cross and was acted out throughout history, but 50 years ago um, in the death of Martin Luther King as well. So we want to be a church that is a part of this uh, for the good of our neighbors for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Parent on parents, you got this.